0: A very good evening to you. I'm Tamin Gubeni sitting in for Ayabonga Tawe today. It is exactly 7.49 on the Metro FM Talk. Now, today is a public holiday and we won't have our regular market update as we usually do uh, during this time. Now, but the story that we are going to be looking into is the announcement that was made by President Ramaphosa yesterday that 40% of public procurement to be reserved for women-owned businesses also said that the departments would have to develop clear plans on how they will broaden women's participation over the next 12 months. Now to further dissect this we've joined by market analyst and CA Sinesipo Maninjo. Lovely to have you with us this evening uh, Sinesipo. Now what is your take on the idea of a 40% uh, woman procurement that will be reserved exclusively for women owned businesses?
1: Uh, good evening Tammy thank you for having me um so um i think in principle i think um i think it's a very 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 uh, step in the right direction um, my worry is like all government uh, programs um, the implementation and sort of the grandstanding um that is done by politicians and um, specifically during key um, national holidays so um for example um, for example there's a I'm, I'm in favor of more women ownership because, as you know, um, investment in women and women-owned, uh, businesses does yield a very high social dividend within the country. But, um, for me, uh, specifically, uh, when I look at the president's, um, assertion, I have to say that, uh, the thing that worried me is that, uh, we already have a transformation agenda where uh public procurement is to go to, um, it has a preference towards um black owned businesses, and yet um, black owned businesses are not the majority uh, benefactors of uh, uh, these programs. My question is, will this be one of those? will this be one of those so my mm, i, 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 I think yeah yeah <laughs> I,
0: I feel your frustration and you you are echoing the sentiments of so many who said. What has been said and what has been proclaimed, this is nothing new. This is the same type of rhetoric we've been hearing for decades now about women empowerment. But from your standpoint, I'd like to ask you, what have been the stumbling blocks? Why does there not actually seem to be any sort of genuine longevity and transformation as far as women empowerment is concerned uh, one example was made that was made is the fact that the Constitution exists and it looks great on paper but the lived reality of so many South Africans is so different uh, from that
1: um so it, it's pretty quite simple we are live in a very racialized and patriarchal society no amount of people going to change that unfortunately um, Unfortunately, even when I think of myself and yourself, very well spoken, we're still... I'm not sure about radio, but I know for a fact women are underpaid in radio. <laughs> it's entertainment, general, I'm in professional financial services, we're underpaid. And, so, and, 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 so, and
0: actually, that's an issue across is the fact. board. Uh, fact. Uh, the fact a- and, and, and the fact that this gender parity and the, gen- and the pay gap... Is increasing even as we speak about the injustice of it. Even as there are efforts to close those gaps, they still seem to be increasing.
1: Um, so that okay. That is my fundamental issue. Is that you, 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 you sort of uh, they need to someone needs to explain to me um why this is perpetually happening. And it, it, it I always say that it's because we live in a racialized, patriarchal, misogynist society uh, run by men and. They don't see us as people. So they can spew all of this uh, rhetoric um, for the sake of appearances, but when you ask about it in practice, uh, what do what you actually see? And that's when I always talk about lived experiences. So for me, again, it's a function of grandstanding. The fact that it is the thing that made uh, actually horrified me and made me lose my brain and made me angrier than I thought was He said, "It's up to departments to um, look at how to implement." You have within departments preferential procurement; it already exists. Why aren't you applying it? What what really exists? This is nothing new. This is nothing new. So, um, again, 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 um, a lot of rhetoric, very little, um, very little uh, detail in terms of. How is it actually going to work? Mm. And 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 this
0: doesn't bode well really for the president. It doesn't bode well for the plans of trying to move the country forward when there is such an intense level of skepticism from society where you know even plans such as this, which are really noble, but as we've said earlier on, we've heard this before and yet we haven't seen any follow-up that will bring to reality these promises that keep on being made. Uh, but hope springs eternal, right? You hope that at some point there will be something new and something different that will come into place to change the paradigm. But let me ask you this, you know, Sino just to give us a bit of context, how big is the government procurement in South Africa? How big is this pie? Uh,
1: it's, um, government procurement, um, it's, sorry, the kind of makes talk about anywhere between 20 to 25% of total GDP is government procurement. Because remember, the, the government procures for majority of the citizens, so um, it is quite large, hence hence it's still untransformed. Um, they don't even support the majority black-owned companies, so them throwing in gender is uh, much of a matchness, it's much of a matchness. I think there's been lots of organizational talk specifically within the um, um, black uh, organizations on... A government procurement and the need to use government as sort of a transformational tool towards greater society, but again, lived and experienced and actual practical application is what has failed government. government's, government's um, otherwise, you would say, perfect on paper uh, life uh, uh, rationale. So I think that's where we are.
0: And I want to ask you just to zone in on that and... Try and discern what the challenges are that you know women are, are facing at the moment regarding women-owned businesses being awarded those contracts. You spoke earlier on about patriarchy, and you spoke earlier on about us still living in a racial society. Are those uh, the, the two sole dimensions, or is there something more here?
1: Uh, it's quite simple. So, it's when we talk about the, the challenges of women-owned businesses, we're looking at the challenge of women-owned businesses across the. Um, uh, entrepreneurial value chain. So, women-owned businesses suffer because they can't get access to markets. Access to markets uh, doesn't, which is what government is saying. But if you look at the real access of market, is not happening. Access to market uh, doesn't allow you then to get access to funding. Access to funding then limits your ability to. which means access to uh, growth and development and scale, achievement of scale. So across the entire entrepreneurial value chain, women are failed at every um, step and also are marginalized and downright discriminated. So you're sort of on a catch-22. You want to give – this is also one of the challenges of um, any institution, government, including both private and public sector. You say, I want to give women this piece of work. But then if you also want to get someone capable, but then people can't get capable if they're not given the opportunity. That is just the functionality. So I think, so again, that's why I talk about the entire value chain. Women are, are failed across the entire value chain of entrepreneurship. And then you then have moments, which is what the president was doing, which is level of grandstanding, when people don't talk about their actual lived experience and, that for me is I think very 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 important is that we really talk about the actual lived um, experience um, and in terms of the lived experience of women earned businesses and um, how we um, in- increase the participation of women in the greater economy but again you're again people I being failed so as I said it's for me uh, I've always believed um, that government should work on implementing the current programs, a lot of what is repeated and what is said uh, by politicians in terms of grandstanding, there are the, really this uh, blueprint of implementation within um, within a lot of these government departments. So it's just a function of um, implementation. That's all it is.
0: You mentioned the access to funding as one of the impediments. Uh, One of the things that the president said is that they're going to be engaging the financial sector in order to make sure that financial services are actually accessible for women. Not only are they going to be accessible for women, but they actually are affordable for women in South Africa. I mean, what type of interventions and and what type of, of deals would government really be able to strike with the financial sector to make this a reality?
1: Again, this is where I said the value chain is quite important. You can't ask the financial sector to fund women-owned businesses that are not sustainable. Women-owned businesses are not sustainable in its current structure because they don't have access to markets and repeat business. So you sort of have to do one without the other. So give them the work, actual, give them the work, and then you can go to the financial services sector. Going to financial services sector is a secondary step, and it's sort of a distracting step because – and um, i've I've worked in financial services my whole life, and the bank will literally ask the question, Can this person pay it back and way anyway, they can pay it back if they have business so it literally it, it, it i think it just really goes with in literally that step is that you you sort of have to you have to sort of provide you have to give people access to market the ability to thrive, and then only can um you start looking at um you then start looking at funding funding for me is secondary to access to market and access because, in a sense, you say, you have, for you to make money, for you to uh, get funding, you actually have to have clients. And if you don't have that, it's for me uh, much, much of a muchness.
0: So if you say that, uh, Sinesi Paul, does it then not mean that government committing to procure 40% of government business to b- women and, and black women, does that then not provide that market? That the financing will then, uh, you know, be, become make make fluid for.
1: Again, again, it does, but and it, so it has to actually happen. That's the thing with funding; it actually has to happen. So the policy needs to actually be implemented. For me, or I like to say the existing policy needs to actually be implemented. So if that policy is implemented, I don't think anyone's going to have an issue with providing funding. But unless it's actually implemented, the implementation it, it really
0: is, will have no, no this, stick to
1: it. Our problem, our, our, our perpetual issue in the government is, is is our perpetual issue is is literally implementation. This is where I think um, we fail is uh, implementation.
0: I'd, I'd like to find out what your views are regarding seventy five million rand of the COVID relief um, funds going to rural women, at least those input vouchers, that 53% of them are going to go to rural women. Um, What do you believe women who are involved in small-scale farming, for example, need beyond the the vouchers. For example, you mentioned that funding is actually not the real problem. It's not the chief problem. Is it a matter of skills? Is it uh, do they actually have a market uh, in which their produce can actually be sold? And and how then do they actually compete with large scale farmers and especially patriarchy within the, the farming fraternity?
1: The thing with farming, it's it's it, it, it's all value chain-based. So, number one, uh, it's not enough that you get them vouchers. Money in hand is actually better than vouchers. Access to market is better than vouchers. Uh, ability to – because fundamentally, from an econo- economies of scale perspective, uh, small-scale farmers will never be economically the same um, – give you the same uh, price range as uh, your large farmer. So, for example, a um, small-scale farmer will sell you a banana for 20 grand. A uh, large-scale farmer will sell a for 10 grand. So, for me, the government needs to come in by dropping the gap, trying to reduce the gap. For me, that is the opportunity for small-scale farmers, is to try get them into the economies of scale. And that requires money, funding and investment. But the problem with funding and investment, particularly with small-scale farmers and also farming in general, farming doesn't return. um Um, positive NPV, um, what's the word again, um, doesn't translate to positive commercial returns. Farming just doesn't have that as a business concept. So it's always difficult for them to, so you'd find they always do the bare minimum or the easy wins such as vouchers because it's great for PR. But if you ask someone what do they actually need and what will make their lives easier, these are things that are important to them, access to market, um, ability to sell their wares, Ability to close the gap, helping so for small-scale farmers, the big thing is, uh, uh, besides getting the yield in the farming, it's helping with storage, things like fridges are becoming, that the, 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 um, the fruit or veg can stay uh, fresher for longer. Those are very, very, very important things. But again... And those are not the things that I've talked about. People would rather have what you would call very easy ones without looking at the fact that when you invest in farming, small-scale farming, you're not investing in a commercial enterprise, So, and the dividends are more about a social community dividend than a commercial one. So, like I said, everyone likes to go for the easy ones, as I like to say, the easy ones, which in the long run are actually not sustainable, unfortunately.
0: And, and you've called those easy wins uh, PR stunts as well. Uh, we, we've posted a question on um, our Twitter page, which is at Metro FMSA, and we've asked you, is it possible 40% of public procurement will be reserved for women-owned businesses? Is this um, uh, something that is sustainable? Is this something that will yield positive results in closing the gender gap and, and in closing the access to opportunities and access to markets and access to funding that exists between men and women. Uh, do send your comments through, and we'll read them during the course of the evening. We do have M. Owen, who's written, It is possible until someone with corruption steps in and messes the whole idea up. Your thoughts on that, Ah,
1: uh, Corruption always happens. You can't not do anything because of corruption. I, I For me, it's not a deterrent. As long as, long as the controls are there, the controls are there and they're actually implemented. They shouldn't, for me, be a problem.
0: So as we wrap up today, what kind of controls do you believe need to be put in place in order for this reality to materialize?
1: Um, so the reason why the PPE tender stuff has become so problematic is that people are just not implementing the controls, which is, it's quite clear, there are rules to doing business with the government. Uh, fair pricing is very, very important. Besides fair pricing, you always want a legal entity with the, the right entity, with the right experience, the right team caliber, and the ability to execute. People are just sloppy. I, I just find people, some people with corruption sloppy. The regulations are quite clear. The reason why you hear about all these corruption stories is quite simply that someone didn't follow the regulation. If for people who were to just follow the existing governmental framework, PSMA is very, very, very clear, national treasury guidelines on public procurement are very 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 clear in black and white for all to see, but when people don 't um, follow them it 's why we end up in situations like that so for me, the threat of corruption is not enough not to follow through with the product uh, with the with the program that helps the majority of our citizens, but at the same time, uh, I also think that if there was more diligence put in to ensure that um, that that corruption, the controls are actually implemented, we wouldn't have this problem.
0: There has been a lot of debate regarding this particular issue, and some, including the Democratic Alliance, they've they've rejected this outright. What what are your thoughts on that?
1: Uh, because they're a bunch of white boys. <laughs> no, let me not joke. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, joking but not joking. <laughs> you can't expect that party for that's run by a white male who does not believe in the concept of transformation to say anything different. Like uh, for me they literally trying to be uh freedom front plus light but there's nothing much towards it. So- you can't you can't argue with people, you can't argue with people that don't recognize the societal imbalances economically that stand between black and white men and women. If you can't recognise that on a base level, I don't even have time or energy to even argue with you.
0: So from your perspective, they're not supporting this is a part of their stance that they take on, on black um, economic empowerment in the first place. Do you not think that there could be other reasons apart from they not being supportive of, of, of black economic empowerment? Uh, for example, the issue of the controls that you spoke about. Maybe they feel that there aren't enough controls uh, for um, a venture of this nature to, to be successful i no, advocate there and looking no, at all the other
1: No, possible it's not that deep. It's really, I honestly think that it's really not that deep. They're racist white people. That's really what they are. They can't stand black people. They don't believe that any economic injustice has happened to black people. You literally have to see where they govern white leader, white a uh, white premier, majority male, majority male premiership, in the part they actually govern. It's, it's literally, you know, who who runs West Grove. It, you see, it, it's live. It's not for, like, I, that's why I say it's not noble. It's really not that deep. They don't believe in transformation as a concept. They don't implement transformation as a concept in the province that they govern. So there's no need for us to think it's corruption. It's really not that deep. They don't see us as people. So I can only hope those in the recent tape vote them out. That's really, so for me, in as much as I may hate on the ANC and the corruption and um, the corruption and all the scandals, one thing the ANC has done is ensure that I, as a financial manager, became a CEO. Literally, <laughs> I cannot ever ignore them. The policies may not be implemented fully, but the fact that I have a job that I am a senior professional that I hold certain positions is because of their policies. For me to ignore. I don't ignore those things, but in the same breath, I can also talk about the fact that they are in charge of, they've done large-scale corruption. But I will not, I don't know what the DA has done for any black person in this country besides dehumanize us. I don't see why we should even entertain them or any of their little ramblings.
0: Is, is that not perhaps part of the South African problem, Sinesipo? Uh, the fact that we look at the good that has been done and we acknowledge where that you know, indeed has yielded results as as in your case and in the case for so many of us. But the truth is there's so many who are still living in impoverished uh, conditions. So many who are still waiting for their Mm. sun to shine, who are still waiting for their moment and for their doors to open up. Should we not be going beyond saying at least? Is it not not this at least that is actually leaving the majority of our people behind? No.
1: So I don't believe in saying at least I, for one, know they can do more because I'm a product of the little that they have done. product. <laughs> so if they could just double the effort, double the effort, they're almost there. You the little that they have done means that they're capable. That's my issue with corruption. As I say, I, I think the word of corruption. Our government is tainted by corruption, they have the ability to execute. They just choose not to. So with the little that they have done, but they're not doing there enough, no one can say they've done enough. They're not doing enough. They're not doing enough. But at the same time, like I said, they it's sort of two truths that can exist at the same time and that we can acknowledge what they've done, but at the same time say, You've done this one. And so to, to pay the cows. Let That's this the come thing. to full
0: fruition. I've got to let you go, but thank you so much for a really engaging our conversation this evening.